first lesson for this second Sunday of Easter is found recorded in the book of Acts, chapter 3, beginning at the 12th verse. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Why are you staring at us? As if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and disowned in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. You killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus that has strengthened this man, whom you see and know. This faith that comes through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, just like your leaders. But in the same way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer. Therefore, repent and return to have your sins wiped out, so that refreshing times may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in 1 John chapter 5, beginning at the first verse. St. John writes, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves God, who has given birth, also loves one, also loves one who has been born of him. This is how we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commands. In fact, this is love for God, that we keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, because everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He who did not come by the water alone, but by water and by the blood. The Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, and we begin at the 19th verse. Glory be to disciples were together behind locked doors because of their fear of the Jews. Jesus came, uh, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whenever you forgive people's sins, they are forgiven. Whenever you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. 
But Thomas, one of the twelve, the one called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger into the marks of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. After eight days, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue to doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus, in the presence of his disciples, did many other miraculous signs that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded. It is the second half of what we heard from the gospel reading. It is John chapter 20, and I begin this time at verse 24. So I, I'm going to consider the words of this second half because they are so full. Usually, I will preach on this entire text, but oftentimes when you do that, you kind of cheat those last few verses. And for this sermon, I would like to emphasize what John has to say about the theme of his book, which is really the theme of the entire Bible. So listen closely to this beautiful text as I now read it again, but especially those last couple verses. But Thomas, one of the twelve, the one called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger into the marks of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. After eight days, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Do not continue to doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus, in the presence of his disciples, did many other miraculous signs that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, have you ever watched any of the old movies and, and you heard these words, He's alive! It's the old black and white especially. Dr. Frankenstein piecing together his monster from different body parts and then raising it and so it could get electrocuted by, 
by lightning. And then he could say, he's alive. Now, when the women came to the tomb and saw the two angels sitting where Jesus had been laid, they didn't simply say, he was alive. They said, he has risen. Putting the emphasis on the fact that Jesus rose of his own accord, by his own strength, by his own power, and by his own authority. He wasn't pieced together and simply shocked back to life. He conquered death and rose again. And so when we hear the apostles, when we hear the words of the apostles saying, we have seen the Lord, I don't for one minute think of, he's alive. No, they're emphasizing the fact that by his own power and authority and his own strength, he conquered death and rose again, and they got to see it with their own eyes. It wasn't the figment of their imagination. And they got to tell these very words to one of their very own, Thomas, who for some reason was not there on that first evening, that first uh, evening when Jesus, or on that first evening when Jesus on that day rose from the dead. They tell him, we have seen the Lord, and you would have expected Thomas to have been excited by these words, especially knowing that he's been with Jesus during that three-year intensive seminary training. He has heard even Jesus a number of times speak, and on the third day he would rise again. Even on the very evening when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper and celebrated with his disciples the Passover meal for the last time, he would have heard the very words of Jesus describing, trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he talks about going and preparing a place for them and then coming back to take them to be with him. And Thomas is the one who replied, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And then that's when Jesus said those most gorgeous words. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have seen the Lord. That calls for a hallelujah. But that's not what Thomas said. In fact, we hear these words. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger into the marks of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Those last words, I will never believe, in the original Greek language, which is the New Testament language, the original language that is, I will never believe, is actually a Greek uh, grammar that is the strongest negation you can have. So you could easily translate these words, I will never believe as, I will never, ever, 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 ever believe. Unless these two things take place. One is, I have visible proof. He wants to see the nail marks. He wants to see those wounds. 
And then the other thing is he wants physical proof. He wants to touch his side. He wants to put his finger into those nail marks. And unless that happens, I will never believe. It was like Thomas was drawing the line in the sand and saying, unless these two things happen, I'm not crossing over. And he's pretty much drawing that line in the sand with confidence he won't be crossing over. In fact, we do not have simply doubting Thomas, as so often he is called. We actually have unbelieving Thomas. I will never believe. It was about eight days after, so about a week after, that Jesus would appear to the disciples once again. What he did during that time, Scripture does not say. It doesn't pay to speculate. But the room is once again locked as the disciples are together. And of course, included in the group would be the apostles, and especially Thomas himself. Jesus appears to them in a locked room and shows himself to Thomas. He offers the, the visual proof, but also the physical proof. He tells them to take his finger, one finger, and put it into the nail marks in his hands. He tells them to take five fingers, which is the whole hand, and actually put it into his side. I've always wondered if Thomas really did that, but he didn't have to do it to have the proof. The proof was before him, which led Thomas to reply, my Lord and my God. He wasn't just simply giving Jesus royal titles. This was a confession of faith. Calling Jesus the Lord, that's the great I am. This is the Lord that revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. This is the Lord who led the, the people of Israel out of the land of slavery, bringing them to the promised land of Canaan. This is the very Lord who just gave his life on the cross for the sins of the world, freeing us from the slavery of sin and winning for us the paradise of heaven, our home. And then to speak of him as God, this is the very word that reminds us of the opening words of the very book of the Bible itself. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this is the God that he's seeing with his own eyes. God is alive. He thought he was dead. My Lord and my God. Yes, the resurrection of Jesus proves that Jesus is the Son of God. His resurrection proves that our sins have been paid in full. His resurrection proves that there is life after death. His resurrection proves that heaven is our home in Christ Jesus alone. And then to refer to him as, this is my Lord and my God. I'm your possession, God. And he's declaring that God is his possession. And he belongs to him. My Lord and my God. Out of all the miracles of Jesus, I will say without a doubt that his resurrection is the greatest of all the miracles. But that's not the only miracle we see.
because along with that great resurrection miracle is seen Thomas, who has gone from being an unbeliever to now a believer, who confessed his Lord and Savior as his own. This is, this is the miracle of, of faith that has now been created in Thomas. And notice, Thomas didn't come to the Lord. Thomas didn't figure this out on his own. He didn't conclude this. He didn't even have the strength to come to the Lord. The Lord came to him. The Lord came to save him. The Lord came in spite of the fact that he refused to believe. The Lord, by his grace and mercy, revealed himself to Thomas. Because he deserved it? No, because he needed a Savior. And Jesus was his Savior. This is also true for us today. You and I do not come to the Lord because we have the strength and capability. We are by nature sinful human beings who have fallen short of his glory. We're saved because God came to us. Because God saved us. The very Savior who gave his life for the sins of the entire world. So we are not worshipers, by the way, that make long pilgrimages to go and look at the bones of our hero. And, and to look at them and, and to pay homage to them. That's not who we are. That's not what we have been called to do. Because if we have to look at the bones of someone who has died, that means he has lost. No, our Savior lives. And because he lives, that means victory. The very Savior who said, because I live, you too shall live. We have life, and we have life everlasting through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior too. After Moses, or after Thomas made his confession, my Lord and my God, it is fascinating what Jesus replies with. In a very profound way, Jesus says this, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The first part of this is actually a question. And I'm not fully understanding why they made it a statement. In the original language it says, Because you have seen me, have you believed? And, and yes, he did. He just confessed his faith. So it's clearly a rhetorical question. But notice... Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You and I do not have the privilege to join the apostles and disciples after the resurrection of Jesus and be able to say we have seen the Lord in the same way. And yet we can still say those words, we have seen the Lord, because of what we have seen in his holy word. And the apostle John makes a big deal out of this. The Apostle John reminds us that there are tremendous amount of miracles that are not recorded in this book, and he refers to them as signs, signs that point to Jesus for who he really is. In fact, if they could record all the miracles that Jesus performed, you would have volumes and volumes of books. So the number of miracles that are actually revealed in the gospel is only a small portion. I would 
back at the, it's not even the tip of the iceberg of all that Jesus did during his three public, during his three-year public ministry. And yet, the entire word of God was written for one purpose, that by believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing, you may have life in his name. Believing in Jesus, the whole scriptures point to Jesus. This is the name that was given by the angel to Joseph and Mary. This is, this is the, the very word that emphasizes his humanity. He took on human flesh in order to suffer and die for the sins of the world and to live that perfect life, which we could not live. He became our substitute, taking our place. He is called the Christ, which emphasizes his office, because the word literally means anointed one, and he came to be the anointed one who carried out the work of prophet, priest, and king. He is the one that's called the Son of God, who is fully God, who lives. The very, the very Son of God who died. And that has always been a hang-up for so many, even leaving the Christian church, because how can God die for us? Because God can't die. But our Savior, who took on human flesh, did die for us. So we can honestly say, yes, God died, but he lives. And because he lives, his salvation now counts for everyone. For all times. And that by believing you may have life in his name. Oh, this is not simply having a good, successful life, making lots of money if you're being a good person for goodness sake. No, this is life eternal. It was Jesus who said, he who believes has eternal life. Eternity doesn't start when you die. It starts at the moment faith is planted in your heart by the work of the Holy Spirit who works through this word. These words bear witness that the word of God is not to be followed by simply what you think or what you feel or what you want. These words are to be followed and obeyed by what God says. Take God at his word. Let God speak for himself. Take to heart this word. It is the word of God which we confess and believe is the rule for our faith and life. Without it we are lost, but with it we know the truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And it is only through faith in him that we are saved. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, even though we weren't there with the apostles, with believing hearts and with complete confidence, clinging to that very word of God, which is the truth, we do join the apostles in also saying, we have seen the Lord. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.